Hey there, it's Lisa from the Culinary Chronicles podcast. On this show, I will interview people from all walks of life about their food experiences and culinary journeys. Food, feeding my loved ones, sharing meals, and the conversations and love that fill the table are what this podcast is all about. My father was a butcher, my uncle a baker, and my grandmother's after-school snacks were always a delightful Sicilian treat. I've always celebrated with food and found gathering around a table the most amazing feeling in the world. Culinary Chronicles is my way of sharing this love of food with you. I hope this podcast fills your cup with entertaining tales about the love of food. It was so nice. Okay, I'm going to take off my jacket. I want to know everything. Okay. Yes. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Madame, how do you say it? Madame? Madame, Madame that's really good. Madame. Your accent is perfect. Madame Nathalie Mas. I am so happy to interview you today. I mean, I know you a little bit for many, many years, but everything you do makes me ah, proud. Is that the word? Like amazed, like surprised, happy. Like everything you do is just well magic. So I want to share the magic feel, with the world. I feel the same way about you. You're amazing. Aww. You always surprise me with all your projects, well, your achievements. You... Wow. Well, listeners don't know this, but we're born on the same day. That's true. <laughs> we're both 21, right? We're both 21. Yes. We're both Aries, which is, you know, very strong-headed, some may say stubborn, driven individuals with, you know, strong characters. So I want to share the magic that you have in you and that you're giving to the world through all of your projects. So maybe first, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're working on now and kind of like Buttonwood Farm and everything you're doing. Great. Well, that's a big question. Do you have uh, two, uh, two, three hours? <laughs> <laughs> well, we could do a three-part series, you know. Yes. I'll, give, I'll give you the Cole's note then. So you know that I'm, I'm Canadian, born and raised in Quebec. And then, uh, you know, left uh, in, well, was that 2000? And one, and or left in 2000, went to Toronto. I stayed in Toronto for five years, and then I moved to New York. And at the time, I had a career in communications, public relations that I really enjoyed. Came to New York, and then when I came to New York, I came because I had met a man. So that brought me to New York. Uh, started working. We were dating here. Things got, you know, evolved from there. And here I am now living, married to this man and living in Mendham uh, with three fabulous daughters. And uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the story. Yes. And quite the love story because you met in the Caribbean somewhere, right? Yes. We met in Turks and Caicos. Totally unexpected. I was on vacation. He was on vacation. And then we just met. The day I arrived uh, on the island, we, I think we, we, we were arriving late that day, but we went to the bar, grabbed a drink, and he was there, and I met him there, and we had a fantastic week together, and then, you know, just stayed in touch. Amazing. So you met David in the Turks and Caicos, you know, dreamy holiday romance, and where was David from? David is from Ireland. So he also had been in the U.S. for a few years when I met him. And then what did you do when you got to New York? You, uh, you left the big city 
And what did you guys do? Because this is my favorite part. Well, that was, I mean, after, you know, three kids, it became almost evident that we had to to move. I mean, we, 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 we just wanted a little bit more space. And we were in Jersey City at the time. We really enjoyed it. There's ton of fantastic restaurants. It's a very multicultural city. Jersey City is really amazing. But we just wanted a little bit more space. So we started looking not too far from Manhattan. We wanted to be close, but started looking and then came across this fantastic little town and found this property that had been a working farm at a, at a point. And then about 50 years ago was divided into different plots and we ended up purchasing the um, the property where the house of the farmer is still on so that's where we live and we also have uh, on this plot of land the house of the gardener with a very old and not working in the moment but a greenhouse so that was the house of the gardener and the house of the farmer that were on our property so they got really inspired about this and I don't think we weren't going for this. We weren't going for this kind of lifestyle. I, we didn't really know what it meant to leave the city. I mean, I'm very urban. I've been all my life living in, in cities. Wasn't grown, I, I wasn't raised to grow food and to do things like that. So it was pretty new, but I think we just felt so good on this property. There was some sort of a vibe. It was really something different. We knew there would be a ton of work, but we thought, you know what, let's do it. Let's just, ideal to raise our daughters. It brings them closer to, you know, growing your food, being close to, to the earth. And this is something that we were looking forward to. So that's why we, we did the jump. So what did you start with? Did you start with chickens or what? Tell us what, tell us what's on your farm right now. Cause I. Every time I talk to you, there's something new. <laughs> well, there's not much new since you and I have spoken last, but I do have hens and I, every year I do bees. This year I wasn't so lucky this summer. I didn't have enough time to devote to my bees, so they left, but I will be welcoming new beehives in the spring for sure. And a big garden uh, that I've been keep I mean the garden has been we've started it I think five years ago and we keep growing like we keep, we keep adding to the garden and and now as we're talking I'm, I've been experimenting this is the first year I'm doing this although I have been wanting to do it for a long time but I've it's the first time I'm doing a fall garden and I had never done that and this is new for me but I'm getting more success than with a summer garden there's less pest. It's easier to grow. You don't need to water. You don't need to worry about the temperature as much. So I have fantastic beans, argula, kale, lettuce, lots of lettuces actually, and uh, cabbages. So it's been wonderful. This is new for this, this growing season. I've never done a yeah. fall garden. So what's the fall start? Like, do you still garden? like from May or what, how does a fall garden work? So you replant in August and September. Crops that are resistant to cold. And I'm going to try this year. I'm, I'm really hoping I can try this year to extend the fall into the winter. 
So there's a way to cover your garden boxes because everything is outside for me. We'll cover your garden boxes and then you can grow during the winter as well. And your greenhouse, is this where you do it all? No, or this, no is this is outside. outside. No, outside. the greenhouse does not work uh, because it's a... I think the greenhouse is from the 1920s, very early on. Wow. So when you, when you look at how people are using greenhouses, nobody's using a greenhouse this big. People are using wind tunnel now to grow so that you can get less disease. You can open them on both sides. The greenhouse does not have a good air system at the moment. We do want to renovate it. Uh, we only, to this date, what we, we've done is remove what was inside. So we had all the big pipes because it used to be heated with coal. So there was a big boiler, big pipes everywhere. So we removed all that. So now it's more used like a covered patio. <laughs> but... Hopefully wow. I can extend the season. Like it's really good right now to start seeds in the spring because the temperature gets warmer, but not too hot. In the summer, it's too hot. There's not enough air and ventilation. It's just been hard to find the right type of way to kind of modernize it. Like I want to keep the spirit of the property. The fact that it's such an old uh, greenhouse, it's beautiful. But how can I bridge the gap and and get it into a yeah. place where I can use it. So are there people that focus on like restoring greenhouses or is it all just kind of Look, I'm looking for them. I'm looking for them because at the moment it's I've been trying to educate myself on what needs to be but I'm I'm not finding many people in the area that can come and help with this. So we might have something maybe I'll find more information eventually, but yeah, that's something I've been trying to find. Yeah. And what's in their summer garden? Like what, how big is your garden now? Like do you buy any groceries, like any fruits and veg in this summer? I guess veg, a fruit. But what's, what's in your summer garden? Well, in the summer garden, I mean, I grow everything, but I've had a lot of successes with like everything that's, like there are things that are easier to grow. Like you think cucumbers, you think beans, carrots, you know, you can grow them, but they take a long time to grow and the yield is very small. So there's things that we've experimented, we've had fun with, but we don't, we might not grow as much because they take a lot of space and they take, you can only harvest them once. But more like every, any type of lettuces, arugula, anything that's grain goes really well. Zucchinis, we had really great success with zucchinis. Not so much with cantaloupes and melons that we've tried. Uh, I will try again next summer with different types of fruits because I'm I'm also expanding the garden into a different area of the property. So we we yeah we just completed some renovations and we have a ton of space now in the backyard with a big big deer fence because that was the issue for a little while. I had to share. So the deer (laughs) yes the backyard was exposed and now it's closed and closed and I'll be able to. So the deer were benefiting from your garden. Uh, yes. Well, I didn't grow anything in the back because I knew the front, I have the garden fences. When I did the garden, like when the first thing we did when we planted was to put the fence in the front. But now I have another growing area at okay. the back. The other thing that is easy to grow is our, all the herbs. You know, think about rosemary, basil. oregano, basil, uh, mint. And those don't even require any kind of knowledge. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I've found. Yeah. Someone who started gardening. <laughs> and those are great. Like they, they're great for cooking. 
to create for your health. So yeah, that's easy to grow. Yeah. And tell us about your journey and like your health journey and your family's health journey, because you've had quite an arduous time since you're your firstborn. But how did you then kind of turn that into a bit of a learning in terms of herbs and yeah, food well, and it's, yoga? It's, I mean, I think that's what happened to me when when my firstborn was when my first daughter was born, she had a, well, we only figured out she was three months old, but she had a brain tumor and she's okay now. She's doing really well. She's uh, 11 years old and thriving. And quite frankly, if people are not aware of her past, they wouldn't even know she's doing really well. But that informed, that definitely changed my, I think my, my ways with cooking with health, with taking care of my family. And I, I was a yoga teacher at the time, which really helped me when we went through her health issues. And I had been, you know, interested in Ayurveda and using food as medicine. So that's, I mean, this is just a, something I started, I think, then. And with this property and with the fact that I had never grown anything, I was curious about doing things at home that would make us feel good that's when i started learning more about it i studied clinical herbal medicine with david winston i did a lot on my own did a lot of reading the garden is part of it so there's a ton of fantastic what we consider weeds right ton of fantastic weeds on my property that are actually medicinal and i don't use any uh, weed killers here. We try to be very careful with what we put in the soil so that everything remains organic. So that's, those are the things that I've started doing as well. And yeah, I mean, my life has changed in terms of living in the city, going out every night, eating at restaurants to now, I mean, the idea of a, a good meal now is a home cooked meal. For sure. And what, tell us that stove. You sent me a picture of your stove. It looks insane. What, is that, tell me, I, I've not seen that. It's a French stove, so it's a La Cornue. So, that, so I'm just, and I told you, I'm just completing 20 months of home renovation because the house was really falling apart, especially during the pandemic. So finally, we, we started renovating. We knew this was coming eventually. But one of the things I wanted to do was really because I'm cooking so much at home was to get a good stove. And I made that happen. I mean, I, I got, I really jumped through hoops. I found secondhand cabinets. I saved everywhere I could save in order to get the stove. <laughs> because I thought, oh, this is the kitchen's workhorse. We're going to use it every day. And we do. And we do. We use it every day. I mean, I, you know, we try to home cook as much as we can. Even breakfasts, we'll make eggs, we'll make pancakes. That's, that's very important to me. So we use ingredient, organic ingredients, but the stove makes things just absolutely phenomenal. So what, what makes that stove different? Because is the, the base, is it like wood or because the handles look like the traditional? Yeah, it does. It does aga, have a, the, the aga. It, it does look like an aga. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it keeps lot of humidity in the stove so when you cook with it you don't dry things as much so i'm still there's there's things that i'm still learning you know we'll we'll not dehydrate as fast as you want so i did try to um 
that, that happened actually just two weeks ago. I was trying to dehydrate mushrooms in the stove and I actually cooked them. I could, even though they were at such a low temperature, but the humidity level was too high to dehydrate. So they cooked oh, instead of dehydrating. Okay. So that was, <laughs> I'm still learning how to use it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So can you set it at 200 or is it, how to, is it electric or is it gas? It's okay. gas. Yeah. Okay. But it holds temperature really well. It cooks evenly and it's quite a, a charm. I like it's, yeah, it, it's really fun now. To I'm going to have to add in the show notes a picture of this oven because how did you find this oven? Because I feel like I've heard of it, but maybe just because we did some cooking classes in France, is it? I think like, I must have, yeah, I must have come across La Cognue in France. I, I'm not exactly sure where, because I've always known of this brand, yeah. but I'm not exactly sure, sure where this comes from. Well, I love it. Okay, so I... I've always been fascinated about the bees. I'm going to take one step back and say that when the little the girls were little, you turned me on to cinnamon. I love cinnamon in general, but I remember you saying it's cancer fighting, it's good for Leia, and putting it in everything and hiding it in their food and porridge. And I still do that today with my son. I try to put cinnamon in everything. We put cinnamon in our coffee. I hide flax and cinnamon and lots of things. So I wanted to thank what? you for that because oh, I just true. triggered that. That's where I got that cinnamon from because you were just like, this is cancer fighting. I was like, perfect. It's this is cancer fighting. Yeah, it helps kind of... digestion, helps blood sugar. So yeah. I think that's how it works. I don't think it's cancer fighting as in it will. Well, no, I, I mean, I just don't yeah. give the disclosure. <laughs> yes, not, not clinically. <laughs> not <laughs> clinically, but it is. And that's how you work with herbs, right? You You work before there's a big problem if you incorporate good ingredients good herbs into your life that's how herbs are a little bit more gentle and they work with you and they help your entire it's systemic they help the system yeah. so with cinnamon because it's carminative it helps digestion helps lower blood, blood sugars again yeah. studies might have to be done to back this fact but this is how it's yeah, yeah. used, yeah. And it's a really good herb, and it's a good taste, too. Oh, I love it. I love it. Everyone's like, sit in your coffee, like, try it. You'll never go back. So that's my, that's my go-to. No, and then bees. I love the bees and the beekeeping, and I wish I could keep bees in my tiny little Toronto garden. But how did you come about that? Because I never even asked you. Just one year, you were like, I have bees now, and there's a queen, and there's a man shipping it from another town. And, and like, it's a lot of work. So it is oh, work. It is, it, no, it definitely is a lot of work for bees. Well, I think it was the jump from, you know, if I'm going to live here and I have this space, I have to do it. I have to try it. I have to show how my daughters where things are coming from, how things happen. They just like going to a grocery store or waiting for your grocery delivery is not reality. So I just wanted them to have a good connection to the food chain. Also, obviously, we all know what's happening to bees and how they're struggling. They're important for pollination. We need them. We need them to grow fruits and vegetables and flowers. And I thought, well, this is a good way for me to just get my hands into it and, and learn about it. It's not easy. It's, it's definitely not easy. And it's been tricky with the changing weather as well. So last, uh, last spring, 
I had overwinter bees that came out very early because the weather was just too hot. Tricked them. They have nothing to eat outside because plants have grown. There's no pollen available. So you have to always deal and manage with the, the weather. So, so it's, it's kind of a learning curve. Every year that I've done it, I've had different issues that I've had to, to learn about and help them. But, uh, but it's still learning. How did you learn about it? I actually, <laughs> I went to Rutgers. So Rutgers University has wonderful, wonderful programs here. And I did a beekeeping certification which is three days. So it's not much. And when you leave, you know how it works. You understand how they operate in their cycles, but that doesn't mean you feel comfortable going into hive. I mean, they do, they do show you, they do bring you to hive and you do some manipulation, but it's different when you're by yourself and you've got to figure it out. So you try, but I've had the chance to meet like amazing beekeepers that have helped me. Those the kind of people are always willing to help. <laughs> other oh other newbies, so <laughs> so newbies. Ah. <laughs> and what's like the yield? Because I know my friend Aaron, her dad in Vancouver, he started some hives as a hobby after retirement, and then he was like jars and jars of honey, and he had to start selling at a local farmers market. Which he's retired. He's like, I don't want to do this, but he just had so much yield. It's a lot. Yeah, you you get definitely a lot of pounds. I've changed my hive size. I, I started working with a smaller hives because they were too heavy. That tells you how much, like they were too heavy. Some of those boxes filled with honey could be up to like 80 pounds. And I just couldn't work with that. It was just too heavy for me. So I moved to smaller size. I'm not doing it for the honey production at the moment. Like I'm doing it more for... Because yeah, you do, you do get a lot, but I've been keeping a lot of frames. I mean, I have probably like two freezer full of frames that I'm keeping and will give back to the bees when I get new, new hives. So I try to, rather than extract everything, because that it is a lot of honey. So what do you mean keeping two frames? What is that? So when you get... For people that don't know. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> when you get... You should probably give us a 101 on I beekeeping. Because like how much work is... Is it daily work or like no. once a week? How often is it? No. So it depends. Like when you get them, you want to go every week, every two weeks. Uh, you don't want to bother them every day. That would be just too much. Okay. So it depends what you have to do. You have to keep track. You have to keep you know, track and know where they're at in the, at different stages. But when you get new bees, so I will start again in the spring, you get a new hive, you install it, and then it's good to give them a frame or two of, of capped honey. So you take, you take one of your frames that already has honey and you give it to them. So they have food already when they come in. To start with. Okay. Yeah. So you can reuse your capped frames with honey. So. Yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating world. I can talk about bees for yeah. a very long time. I know. I love it. And then this is another question, but when you put that frame on your farm that, that first year you did it, like, do they just come? Do they, do you like smoke signals or? No, you have come? to buy. So you buy, it's called a nuke. So you buy a nuke, you buy a, a queen and bees. Okay. And you install them into Oh, you buy bees. Okay. Yes. And you install oh, them okay. into your Now, you can be lucky and you could find, because especially in the spring, 
bees will try to swarm. They try to leave with a queen. So if you find a swarm that's in a tree, you can catch that swarm and put it in your box. But I've never, I've never found a swarm. <laughs> I've never had that luck. Like you could physically capture them? Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, wow. I don't know if that's being done in Canada, but in the U.S. So let's say I'm not a beekeeper. I don't know anything about bees and I find a swarm on my property. You can actually go online and find uh, someone that will collect a swarm. So you don't have to bring an exterminator. You can get someone like a beekeeper that we can register as a beekeeper if we want to be able to, if we want, if you're interested in getting swarms. Yeah, because you don't have to kill them or anything. You can get someone to come and remove them. Okay. I love that. Yes. That's so And for a beekeeper, this is very interesting because those are freebies. <laughs> well, are bees expensive when you buy your first nuke, is it? You oh, it have okay. to pay a certain price, yes. I mean, usually what people do here, like I'm part of the, uh, an association, so you buy in bulk so that the price is, is less. But you do, you pay for queens and, and, and bees that come with them. It's a whole other world. I love it is. It, it is fascinating. Oh. And you know, the bees do actually very well in urban settings. They survive longer in urban setting because there's less, less pollutant for them. Pollutant. People are not using uh, weed killers. People are not spraying lawns. Oh, because they're steady. Oh, so wow. they do very well. I think it came across, I'm not sure about that, but I think it was like 30% better in urban settings. And the way you do this is you put them on the roof of yeah. high rises. Yeah, a lot of universities do that yeah, here. Yeah, so they don't bother great. anyone and they just do their thing, but they have really good conditions. Okay. The Lactation Cookie Company was born from my challenges with breastfeeding, an experience had by so many new moms around the world. As a bakery owner, I set out to create a great tasting cookie that contained whole food ingredients and galactagogues like flax, brewer's yeast, and rolled oats, which all helped promote milk supply. Once the recipe was finalized, I knew I had to share this delicious and useful treat with as many breastfeeding moms as possible. What makes me most excited is that with every box sold, a donation will be made to La Leche League in Canada and the USA to support breastfeeding education in North America. Cookies come in delicious chocolate chip with regular gluten-free and plant-based options available. The Lactation Cookie Company products are available to purchase on Amazon or via our own website, thelactationcookiecompany.com. Okay, now give us the 101 of raising hens. Because I used the picture of your beautiful new oven. There was like a beautiful plate of eggs. Yes. So how easy or hard is that? Is that once a week? Is that? That must be daily. Daily. Collecting daily. No, you need, to, you need to go daily into the coop. We've had, I mean, I've... I've been raising hens. I've had hens for what, three, four years now? And I mean, every year, I guess I've had different challenges. I just lost two recently to a hawk. So, what, like, did you see it happen? Well, I didn't see the act, but I did know something was going on because the hens started screaming. And I went. And then I saw the hawk and the hawk had already killed one and 
because I came, he couldn't leave with it. So he didn't get to eat it. But it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was just happening. They were, I have to be very careful here if they're free range. So I do let them out, but I have to be there. I have to be there with my dog. My dog is fantastic. I have protector. Yeah. And she, she will deter any ox because they're big and they're not afraid and they will wait. So, uh, so I've learned that. So, <laughs> so every year there's something new, but yeah, you have to. Would the hawk take it away? Yes. Or would it like kill it and eat it there on site? No, I think they would take it away. Okay. Yeah, they would take it away. So it dropped it because it saw you. It was afraid of yes, that Aries woman. It could, yes, it did. Yes. It couldn't leave with it. I disturbed. I, was, I caught the hawk, I think, red-handed. Like it was just happening. And then, you know, it was very oh traumatic to the hands. I didn't get any eggs the next day. Yeah, they were tra- traumatized. Oh, <laughs> That happened to me once. I had something traumatic happen and I couldn't breastfeed the next day because it was wow. so, like my body. Yeah, my body was like, nope. Yeah, not ready. there's something. Yeah, because I didn't get eggs the next day. I, I took it and then maybe a few, oh. but it took a while. It took a few days before the production went back to what I'm used to. Yeah. So, okay. So you, do you buy like, eggs and then you hatch them or do you buy hens and then you so the first year i bought they, they do it. i bought hens there was a woman that was trying to get rid of her coop so i got the hens from her uh, and then we lost those we don't know what happened but we they all disappeared uh we think they were taken there was a snowstorm and the door wasn't closed and then they were gone. So we don't know where they went. They did like, come back. Taken by an animal we or taken so. by yeah, we, a neighbor? We think, no, by an animal. By an animal. And then after that, I, I bought, so you can buy, they're called, I think they're called two-day two day chicks. And you buy them when they're like, they, they're a hatch already. And you buy them very young. And I, I've been doing that for the last two, three years. You can, you need to keep them indoors. You need to keep them under a heat lamp until they're old enough to be out and they're big enough and have enough feathers and then you can bring them out. So that's what we've been doing. So we've, uh, we've had little chicks in the garage a few times. (laughs) I love that. The kids must love that. So the kids, do they participate in collecting eggs and feeding and watering and all that? They They do. They do. I mean, I guess it's the same, you know. They don't do it every day, but they do participate. And on weekends, when we have a little bit more time, usually it's something that they get involved. They're always asking the hens out and stay with them a little while so they can go out and free range because they need, they need chaperones. They can't be left out by themselves. So they do. They participate. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I didn't grow up this way, but I'm really happy that I can provide this kind of lifestyle to the girls i think for them it's natural they're not afraid of yeah well they've never known otherwise no exactly they were too little they were too little so it's just part of what we do yeah i love it i love it okay well let's move on to like new york the u.s what's the difference between quebec you know, growing up Quebec food-wise versus, like, now being in the U.S., is there anything major? Well. Like, what you grew up on versus what, what you're doing now? Is there, I'm sure there's tons of differences, but. Well, this, I, I feel like the, 
I could answer this question two ways. The first one is like, what's different now? I'm, I mean, Montreal bagels, you can't get them here. <laughs> They're wonderful. No. <laughs> every time I go to Quebec, every time I go to Montreal, I definitely come back with a freezer full of Montreal bagels. They're, they're just different, unbeatable. I think if, if you grew up with those, it's hard to get used to the other type of yeah. bagels. And then, you know, just how I grew up versus now, this is completely different. Like I'm French Canadian. So, you know, meat, a vegetable, a mashed potatoes or a form of potatoes. Like that was every meal. I feel that that's how I grew up. That's how I was raised. That, that's how people ate. We didn't have access to a lot of different cuisine, a lot of, you know, whether, I mean, Italian, if you count, you know, spaghetti, but not done perhaps the right way, but all the, all of the food, I mean, Canadian way. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And you have to go back in time too. You know, my parents had never, I mean, I, I remember bringing my parents for sushi. They had never had sushi in their life. Like it's not something that was accessible to us growing up. So I think that now, I mean, I love Indian food. We didn't have that growing up. I mean, now it's everywhere. And I hear, I keep hearing how Montreal apparently on the food scene is just taken off. Lots of great restaurants. And I, I haven't been as often, obviously, with the pandemic, we've been a bit limited. But uh, yeah, I hear that Montreal is really taking off with food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great city to eat in and so many amazing restaurateurs and different cuisines, like you said. It's so multicultural and yeah, it's such a great cosmopolitan area for eating out. But you, your husband has an interesting background. So tell me a little bit about his, his background and what your favorite, well, first tell us what he does and then Pick your favorites of his, uh, his location. Yes. Well, he is in the restaurant, well, more bar, restaurant bar. So that's not how he started. He, you know, was working in, in uh, project management uh, and then at a pharmaceutical company. But I guess that wasn't his calling. He, uh, he started and opened up a bar with two of his good friends and that snowballed into now like a really great uh, like they have a few places they are all doing very well and you know it feels like New York New York is back from the pandemic and it feels like people want to go out and want to they have resumed their life like people are vaccinated they're out they're having a great time they're ready to go They're, to a bar and meet friends absolutely, and socialize. Absolutely. And, and nice. I was in New York not too long ago, actually. And you can feel the energy is back to where it was pre-pandemic. Good. So, so if people are visiting, where, what, what three places should they hit up that, you know, David runs and manages? One for brunch or like, I've been to some and some have really amazing brunch. And the decor is my favorite. I mean. Each of them has such a unique decor. They, so maybe they do yeah. have a really nice. Yeah, they do. They they've been working with uh, with great designers, but the the guys have really good taste. So I think I mean, huh, it's not like I can single out one for this one for that one because they're they all are so different and they're more like neighborhoods type of place. But uh, uh, the Spaniard is expanding and. They took over a little space that was beside them. They've been doing really well. But uh, I just saw actually that place uh, before the opening and it's 
phenomenal. It's actually beautiful. The design is just exquisite. Uh, and, you know, people are going to the fire. I mean, it's a great place, good food, good, good atmosphere. So, so that's opening up. So that will, that's a great place to go. I'd say, you know, where is that? West Village. Okay. Yeah. That's in the West Village. So what's the combination? Because they are, they are so unique in their, like you feel good and the food is good. And like, what's the magic sprinkle that David does to make these restaurants and bars like so cozy and successful? Like, I don't want to say successful, but people like them and it's like comforting and easy to go to. It's not like, oh, you know, so yeah. does he have like a magic? I think it's the, like the partner types like, in his head. Yeah. I mean, his partners have really good. They have their pulse on what works, what doesn't work. They know what's really trendy. They know. And not to say that those places are, you know, flavors a month. That's been, that's been the key ingredient. I think it's, they've come up with something that lasts and, and lasts longer and people still want to go. The food is good. It's, I guess it's a combination of things, but yeah, his partners have really good feel, eye and feel for that. Yeah. I guess it's probably, maybe it's from some of their like background and you know, Ireland, like having your local pub because you feel connected yes. and you can go there every night and people know your name. And I think, yeah, I find, I find that there's not a lot of that in Toronto. There's a lot of like trendy places okay. come and go, trend go. But some of the like, some of my favorite places have been there forever and it, it's so consistent and the people and the food and the, the hospitality is so consistent. So maybe that's. Yeah, I gravitate towards those kind yeah. of places as well. It's more about you know, you'll have a good food experience, but you know that there is more than the food. It's the atmosphere. It's yeah. the people that are there. It's the staff. It's the, sometimes the, the way the place looks, the decor, it makes you feel good. Yeah. And now you're busy, you're a mom, you have three daughters, you have, you know, yoga, you have the farm, you have the chickens, you have the bees, you have dog, you have so much going on. How, like, what's a quick meal that you love to make? Something easy, fast for the kids, for you, like on an after-school night? Oh, my God. You, you're going to laugh. You're not expecting that, I'm sure. But cur curries. <laughs> curries. Okay. Well, that's easy-ish. It's yes. easy. Yes. Oh, yeah. We love curries. And I've been really loving cooking with those kind of spices. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. We love Indian food. I thought you were going to say scrambled eggs. <laughs> well, that would be more breakfast, but yes, eggs <laughs> always a go-to. And then if you were to have a big elaborate dinner party with all of your friends from Montreal and Toronto, like what would be on the menu? You can't say curry though. I know. Well, you know, I am planning a party for what are you gonna cook? December. And I want to do, I don't know if you've ever been to kind of an Alsatian French market in the winter. And those kind of markets. Like serve sausage yes there's a lot of there's there's sausage just cheese there's bread salmon yeah there's, fondue yep hot wine wine oh i love that so i wanted to, i'm i'm actually working on the menu for for a party like that that i want to throw in december oh is it going to be a christmas party or holiday just... yes holiday parties oh, and uh just that's you know trying idea. to see everyone and yeah, I'm very inspired by that, by that theme, actually. I think it's just, it's nice because it doesn't require a full sit-down menu. Yeah. 
And it's something the Christmas markets. Oh. Yes. I love that. And now, what's the weirdest food thing you've eaten? I don't know. I mean, if you can remember. I witnessed weird in my house every day with the kids. And condiment. <laughs> <laughs> Do they mix weird stuff well, together? Well, ketchup everywhere. Ketchup everywhere. It's just interesting. Their, 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 their taste buds are not yet, I think, evolved, right? And they will eat anything with chocolate or, or ketchup. But yeah, no, I don't know. Oh. My, my own experience, I'm not sure. I, uh, I mean, my kids think it's very weird that I eat mushrooms. <laughs> really? Sure. That, they grow, that they grow in their own garden? Oh, they cannot even see a mushroom in their plate or even what would, could look like a mushroom. They would not eat. Oh. oh there's a big aversion. And we're not growing mushrooms yet, but this is something that I want to do. Because mushroom is a different, yeah. uh, completely different thing to grow. But I want to try that, actually. I'll, I'll give it a try this spring. Yeah, because mushrooms would be so much humidity and so much temperature control, which you can't really control. Like, would you grow mushrooms indoors? No, or? no, you can grow them outdoors. The way you control, you can actually control you control with water mostly creating those that kind of humidity and shade that they will need because usually yes they spread they, the mushrooms will you'll be able to find them in the fall because those are the ideal condition and i mm. will buy i i buy mushrooms at farmers markets here they're phenomenal yeah. but i would like to try to grow them as well and see how that works so I have a question for you, and I just ordered it from Costco. I ordered a giant tub of dried mushrooms. Oh, and I haven't yet. Oh, yeah, I haven't yet Googled what to do with them. I'm assuming I can use them in risottos. Anything. And... You just need to rehydrate them. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's, yeah. Because I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these, but they look really good. So I'm going to try it. Well, you should, you should Mushroom. try it. I'm sure you have you have farmer's markets in Toronto. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we, we love mushrooms and we eat them almost every week. And my favorite way of doing mushrooms, I don't know if you know this, is the Toroni way, the Toronto Toroni, is, do you know this recipe? No, I don't know Your the recipe. That's right a restaurant. Okay. Is that a restaurant, so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a restaurant. It's still so open. You can eat. Oh, yeah. I love that place. Six or seven, six or seven locations oh, now. Wow. Really, really yummy. And that's it. Consistent, you know, always the same, like for the last 20 years, gosh, 20 years. My friend uh, was slicing salamis there in his first job, like at 19. So oh, wow. <laughs> that, was our, and that was his university job. Please. So yeah, so they do, I think it's still on the mushroom, on the menu, Fungi Assoluti. And it's just in the oven, all the oyster mushrooms laid out with balsamic, olive oil, oh, salt, nice. pepper, parmesan. And they roast into this like, beautiful and the balsamic brings out all the flavor so i do it the fast way i just do it in the frying pan and the breadcrumbs and the parm uh, breadcrumbs breadcrumbs of parmesan just give it so much flavor and oh yeah, that's awesome. even my four-year-old loves it so oh that's perfect yeah so that's that's why we just buy oyster mushrooms and portobello we mix them up and nice i cheat i don't put them in the oven because it takes too, too long, long yes yeah. Oh, I remember that place. So I, I've had some fantastic meals at Toroni. I don't remember eating that particular one, but 
It's a great place. Yeah, I think it. I think it's still on the menu. I might have to Google that, but it's probably been there since day one. We used so. to have a uh, tuna and red bean salad. Yeah, I don't know if it's oh still gosh, on the menu because yes. I haven't been in Toronto. In I feel years. like it might still it's, be on the menu. That's so funny. Such a good salad. Yes. Yeah, it's so simple. Very simple. Okay. Speaking of your best meal, tell me. This is my last question because you got to go do school pickup. Tell me your best meal ever. I mean, there's so many, but which one stood out for you and kind of where were you and just set the stage for me on that. My best meal ever. Yes. Well, you see, this is this is the thing. Like, it's not one meal. It's like like that tuna salad from Taroni. Now, <laughs> like, I have so many great experiences like that in different type of restaurants or places where you know sometimes like i remember having oysters so it's not like you need a lot of preparation for oysters but oysters in new york and i guess that it's more than just the food it's the atmosphere and who you're with and the place and sometimes those conditions make make the meal become magic so those are kind of the experiences that i remember i was just in and this is like this is just a, a small restaurant in the near Broadway that I was at last week, um, Cafe Victor, and I had never been to that place. A, a friend suggested it because we were looking for a place to eat after a show, and we ended up there. And the food was really good. It's a Cuban restaurant, but the experience was just amazing. They had live music. And I was really oh, nice. good friends and the food was great. So then it just becomes that kind of magic that you remember those times. You, you remember those places and you associate them with such a great experience. You nailed that, like magic, like you said, it's the whole, the whole experience is magic. And having a glass of wine with a girlfriend and even like the last time I saw you, you just have that. You're getting your cup filled by like, especially after the pandemic, seeing oh. your friend, having a catch up, having a cold glass of wine. It just tastes oh so much better. It does than taste so much better. I think we're more appreciative now. And it's really about, yeah, the whole experience and what goes into it. Yeah. And the theater. I worked for a very awful man once who uh, we would sell stuff to Harrods in the UK. And he said, you know, you could buy this T-shirt for $5 at Asda, which is the, the Walmart equivalent. Or you can pay, sorry, five pounds or you can pay 100 pounds at Harrods. But Harrods gives you the entrance and the gold escalators and the bag and the wrapping and yeah. the label and the changer. So, yeah, you're not paying for the T-shirt. You're paying for the, the theater, as he called it. And I love I love that yes. term, the theater of it all. The whole experience. And that's what I think. And I think with food, what's also important is the people you're with and the people you share it with. It makes things yeah. even better. Oh, well, I can't wait to have a glass of wine with you and oh, come too. and see the bees and give you guys a big hug and see the girls because they see them on Instagram and they're just weeds getting taller and taller. They are getting bigger. I'm hoping I can go back to Toronto and see you. Maybe we'll catch a meal at Marina. Yeah, we'll go to Toronto and we'll have the mushrooms yes. and the, the tuna salad. I'm totally out for that. Okay, well, anytime. And thank you for taking the time to chat. You are a wonderful human inspiration in business and life and motherhood. And 
Yeah, I wish everybody could be your friend like I am. I've been very fortunate to be. So. Oh, well, I mean, I feel the same way about you, Lisa. I can't wait to see you. Thank you, Nana. Uh, thank oh, you. Nana. We're going to have that glass of wine in New York that's going to taste we so will. good. We will. <laughs> and we'll go home at 9 o'clock like we did last time. Oh, my gosh. Because we were, we were like, we don't need to stay out late. We're like, Different we're done. Lifestyle now. <laughs> Different lifestyle, right? Yeah. Your husband planned like a night out of like six or seven bars and we're like, uh, we're done. <laughs> okay. Have a great evening, uh, afternoon, and uh, I'll speak to you Thank soon. Thank you. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of Culinary Chronicles Made with Love. Before you go, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. For more information on the show, visit ladolching.com. And for more behind the scenes, follow me on Instagram at Lisa Sanguidolce.